0: Welcome to the Shields Outdoors Podcast, your source for information on hunting, fishing, and all of your outdoor passions.
1: Happy New Year, everyone, and welcome to the Shields Outdoors Podcast. On behalf of everyone at Shields, I'd just like to congratulate you for making it through the whirlwind of a year 2020 has been. We've seen a lot of change, but not all of it has been bad. We've seen quite the resurgence in outdoors activities and bow hunting in particular. I've been an avid bow hunter ever since I could, uh, I could get a deer license and got super annoyed that I could only have a two-week season with gun. So I picked up a bow, and it just turned into kind of a full-blown obsession for me. You know, It started with getting out hunting, running trail cams, doing food plots, and uh, you know, kind of turned into a year-long thing. And as I developed my passion for bow hunting, you know, I, I started finding a need for the right equipment that would, that would really step up my game. So I shot quite a few different bows over the years, started with Bowtech, moved on to a Hoyt, and then last year I got the new Matthews VXR. Absolutely love it. So this year, Matthews has come out with the new v 3 And that's what we're going to talk about in today's segment. Joining us today is Joe Sir of Risen Media and the proving grounds for Matthews. So he's been out shooting this bow for a full year now. So we thought, who better to give a review on this new bow than someone who has had it out for a whole season. So Joe, thank you for joining us today. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and who you are?
0: Yeah, man. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate the opportunity to be on here. Um, Yeah, so like you said, uh, name's Joe Sir. Risen Media is my, I guess, my production company's name. Uh, uh, Basically, I do content creation in the outdoor industry. Um, It started with a TV show on the Sportsman's Channel uh, called Hallow Ground Outdoors. We ran for about six, seven seasons. And then, uh, you know, just as TV, that platform kind of changed and we started picking up more, uh, being more production focused, um, picking up clients and stuff. We just transitioned more into a, a content creation boutique, if you will, I guess. We do everything from our own content, um, which provides me an opportunity to, to get out in the field plenty and hunt, um, all the way to producing you know, everything from uh, social media videos to uh, television commercials, short films. Um, stuff like that for a handful of of clients in the outdoor industry. So pretty much I'm blessed with the opportunity to be in front of and behind the camera, uh, just out doing something that I enjoy like yourself, just being in the outdoors and and hunting. So that's pretty much what we do in a a very small nutshell.
1: Mm -hmm. That's very cool. It's, it's awesome that you were able to just Basically, turn your passion into a profession. So, how did how did that develop? How did you know that you know? Hey, I love bow hunting, and I want to I want to turn it into a job.
0: Yeah, Um, I think a lot like you know, like yourself. Just as soon as I could start getting a license at 12 years old, you know, I I, I started hunting and was um, obsessed with it from a very young age. Blessed, I, I live in Iowa, so. We're obviously in really good deer hunting country um so that was something that i naturally fell into and and like yourself it sounds like it started off you know gun hunting uh with the family one week a year type of thing and then slowly as you progress as a hunter or as i progressed as a hunter it was like i you know i got into bow hunting and became addicted with um with that and just and just fell in love with it and like you were saying not to only be able to hunt for one week a year so uh got into bow hunting i was i was homeschooled actually from like 6th grade on we moved into the country when i was a 6th grader so that provided some flexibility and opportunity to kind of schedule school around around hunting a little bit my mom was uh my mom believed that uh, I was getting learning a lot of life lessons out in the field, so she created an opportunity for me to uh, cultivate that passion. and really from a from that you know, sixth, seventh grade, being a twelve year old and on, um there weren't a whole lot of days where I wasn't hunting something, you know, whether it was duck hunting in the morning or pheasant hunting in the afternoon or sitting in a deer stand at night. it was pretty much all fall. I just uh, outside of outside of sports, like when i when I wasn't playing sports, I was I was hunting and uh, I, I'll be, if I'm being honest, probably a little bit of school went on I've got, <laughs> that definitely got put by the wayside for the things that I was passionate about. But uh, because of that, I just was in a, in a position to really cultivate that passion growing up. Um, and then as far as turning it into a job, man, like the creative stuff was, was never even on my radar. Like, I don't know if I picked up, I I kind of like to draw and stuff like that growing up. But as far as being artsy, if you will, that's, that was pretty much the extent of it. Um, and then after college, I moved back. I was, I got married, um, a senior year in college. My wife and I moved back to, uh, the hometown in Cresco, um, and got to, you know, I was done with college sports. So that just freed up the whole entire fall to basically hunt. Um, So started getting into it. And it's just like a lot of people, you know, how can you turn a passion into, into a career? You know, I think that's everyone's, everyone's dream. Um, And for me, it was, we started here. I am out of college stealing my parents' little handy cam in the mornings to run around, (laughs) run around with my buddies and, you know, try to film our hunts. And it, it actually happened, uh, happened really fast. You know, I think at that point, um, hunting TV shows were, were a lot about just killing. And that was something that, you know, for me, hunting had turned into uh, being more so about the process than necessarily the, the end result. Um, so into land management and food plots and, you know, working on your own, on bows and, you know, all the things that go into being a hunter um, became such a big part of what what I enjoyed and I felt like TV at that point in time wasn't really telling that whole entire story. Um, so we kind of started thinking, you know, maybe there's an opportunity here to to showcase what in our minds hunting was really all about. Um, and so we started to film and reached out to a few companies cause you know, like everyone needs to be, every show needs to be sponsored and, and things like that. So we started reaching out to companies and I guess enough companies, liked what uh liked what we were about to you know at least jump on board and and kind of support us a little bit in, in our journey um and then just it was a really we started filming probably in the fall and by the next year had uh a contract signed with the sportsman's channel for a show um and just keep in mind like i had never edited anything before this point in time i had never so it was really just what was in our heads of how things should be shot. And it ended up to be where uh, I ended up selling everything I could. So I'm a broke college student, essentially, with a ton of student debt, Um, sold everything I could possibly sell that my wife would allow me to sell to, I bought an iMac and uh, bought a slightly better camera, which was still, you know, horrible quality at that time, at that period in time. and. we signed a contract with the sportsman's channel, which I think a lot of people think, you know, Oh, you get, you get paid to hunt or something like that. But in reality, all you do is sign off that you're going to pay them a lot of money to be on, <laughs> to be on TV. And the rest is, you know, up to trying to secure sponsor dollars and things like that. Um, but we we were blessed with a couple companies who jumped on board. And then it was just a whirlwind of baptism by fire at that point, honestly, like, it's interesting when you take something your pa- it's great making a passion into your job but it's also a double-edged sword because making your passion your job makes your job your passion you know I mean I mean it's like it's a really interesting dynamic switch when that happens and it was just a ton of pressure from obvi- not not knowing how to edit outside of cutting together a little you know video for family and friends like to meet network guidelines and um, to try to make 13 episodes, you know, when you're just hunting for yourself and for fun, you have a missed opportunity or you go a year without killing a deer or something, you know, those things happen as hunters. And all of a sudden there was this pressure now to every single Friday during editing, it's like you had to have an episode out. You had to, you know, so there was all that. it changed, I guess my, not perception of success, but it changed what success was from a hunting standpoint, because it was now a business, you know? So it was just a really interesting dynamic shift and, and, uh, but I loved it. It it gave me an opportunity to hunt even more. Um, and we did that for, I think six or seven years, um, with maybe six seasons with hallowed ground. And then like I was kind of saying before, just things started to shift with TV, um, and doing things more digitally. And throughout that time period, we, had made commercials for companies and obviously we're generating content for companies. And um, uh, the show was fortunate to win a couple production awards and it just kind of naturally evolved into more of a production company. And that's kind of, you know, obviously where, where I'm at and where risen media is at today. So.
1: Mm-hmm. That's very cool, man. You, you touched on a ton of stuff there and, and, you know, I, I do a little bit of video myself and, and understand that it's like, it's really baptism by fire, but what's what's cool about the stuff you guys put out is it's just it, it really captures the emotion of really being out there. Like you said, it's really not just about shooting a deer on camera. It's about the whole experience you have and being able to show those passions and and you know get others excited about mm-hmm. uh, about the stuff you're doing. So. Can you uh can you talk a little bit about the Matthews Proving Grounds and and what you're doing for them?
0: Yeah, so the Proving Grounds I think they started that a few years ago and it it literally is just as it sounds they get a handful of bows into uh people's hands to use them to make sure that they're working to test them to get feedback on and then create, you know, the marketing material that goes into their bow launch which I think is like just watching their bow launch every year from a inspiration standpoint, like it's, it's always one of my favorite pieces of content, the type of stuff that Matthews puts out. So to be an avid bow hunter, to be able to work with a company like Matthews, um, and to be able from a content creation standpoint, to be able to contribute to their content every year is uh, it's, I mean, definitely one of the highlights and the biggest perks and, and blessings of an opportunity that that I have every year. Like getting that new bow before other people get it, you know, months in advance when I know that Matthews bow is coming all of a sudden the UPS man drops it off. It's like, yeah, it's 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 better than it's better than Christmas for me. So uh I, I just love it. So so basically, yeah, we got the bow in um and it's always interesting because a lot I think in years, this is maybe the third year that I've done this, you know, that I've been fortunate to test the bow pre-release. Um and a lot of times it comes out like right at the end of august so if we're doing an early september hunt or something you literally have the bow in your hands for three four days set it up and go and go use it this year we got a little bit in advance it was like mid-august so i had a couple weeks to really feel comfortable with it and shoot it um but and then we used it all the way you know through elk season through whitetail season and and now through through uh this point in the season so a lot of animals, it's been a, it's been a great hunting season. A lot of animals have have died due to that V3. Um, and, uh, it's, man, it's, uh, it's an absolute shooter of a bow. I, I absolutely, I absolutely love the bow.
1: That's great to hear. Yeah. Let's, you know, tell us a little bit more about it. What are, what are your initial thoughts on the new V3?
0: So, initial thoughts were, I I loved the VXR, and I shot the 28-inch VXR, and as, uh, I just love compact bows, you know, I don't, I'm not a huge long-range shooter, I do it practice-wise, but realistically, hunting scenarios, you know, most of my shots are 30 yards and in, realistically. So, um, I've never been, I've I've more chosen a lightweight, shorter bow, um, based on my hunting style. And when the 28 inch VXR came out, I was like, this is awesome. This is the, you know, the best bow I've ever shot. And then I was a little bit nervous because not knowing what Matthews was going to come out with this year, I was like, you know, maybe I'm going to end up shooting a, a 33 inch bow or something like that. And, uh, but so when I, when I got the, uh, the, the VXR, I was, I was surprised because it was a little bit longer axle to axle, but the way that they built it, well, first of all, weight wise, I think it was essentially the exact same weight. As my 28-inch VXR, so right off the bat, um, the weight was the same, and then just the way that they've built it with the uh, new limb cups and the Beyond Parallel limbs, and then their riser design. Not only did they cut out weight this year, but they also, um, and if you know if you watch their stuff, they've created what they're calling their longest. If I say this right, longest riser to axle to axle length, like ratio. So. It shoots like even a longer bow than it is, but it still maintains that uh, that short axle to axle and that compactness. So, I didn't feel, you know, out of the out of the gates. I didn't feel like I was giving anything up at all with you know the twenty eight inch BXR moving to the um, to the V three. I didn't feel like I was losing any of the things that I wanted in the bow, and with that uh, longer riser design. I was felt like I was actually gaining more stability. So it, you know, just right out of the box, it tuned. I mean, almost immediately, it was easy to set up, easy to tune. And, you know, within an hour of working on the bow was shooting groups at 80 yards that I felt really confident with, you know, this is just a, just a shooter, easy to tune a shooter right out of the box.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's kind of the way, the same way I felt with, uh, with the VXRs. is like I, I had, uh, I had a Bowtech Destroyer back in the day, and then I moved to a Hoyt Carbon Element. Both of them were great bows, but and I, I really didn't feel a need to to upgrade for a while. Like I shot that Carbon Element for like eight years, and then yeah, I finally yeah. shot that VXR and was like, "Whoa, okay, yeah, yep, right. this I got to get this one." So but yeah. it, it's really cool to hear about the the improvements, and it's interesting like the the forgiveness and the accuracy of a of the longer what is it the not the limbs but the the riser the being riser longer. yep the riser yeah, yep. being longer so yep. generally people think a longer axle to axle adds more stability but a lot of it's in the riser
0: yep. yeah and, and i think that's you know interesting and i don't want to be the guy who's like Every, oh, this is the greatest bow that I've ever shot. This is the greatest bow that I've ever shot, you know, like, but after, but literally after shooting this bow, it's the best shooting bow that I've ever had my hands on. It, it, it honestly is. And I think that people say, and there's so many good bows out there right now. Like we were talking before we went live. Um, there's so many good bows. You can kill a deer with, with any bow. Um, and people say, Oh, what are they going to change this year? You know, there's been a plateau in technology and, I think that there aren't new like mind-blowing things every single year. You know, it's not like all of a sudden, oh, it's it's a recurve, and now there's a compound bow or, you know, it it's it's little things. And I think Matthew's has done a phenomenal job of every single year finding these little things and making tweaks and uh and making a more efficient uh bow each and every year. And that's, you know, with the the several of the changes that they made this year, I think they they did that, and those little tiny things equal better, better efficiency and better shooting performance. And yeah, it really this year changed the way that our mindset works. Like you were saying, it's not axle to axle length; it's that limb length that really um, that makes the biggest difference in a in a stable shooting platform of a ball.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you touched on efficiency with the changes now, cool. and that's that's really the name of the game. You know, just it's it's not mind blowing tweaks, but just you know, you, you gain another foot per second here, you reduce a little vibration there, and when you add all those up, you you end up with the best bow you've ever shot.
0: Right. Yep, hundred so, percent.
1: Yeah. So they have so they've got two different sizes now, correct? I think it's what, twenty seven and thirty one?
0: Thirty one, yep. Yep.
1: Okay, which one are you shooting?
0: So I have the thirty one. Um I'm a thirty point five draw length. So the twenty seven is just I think it goes to twenty nine and a half. So Uh, I'd love to, I, so I haven't shot it. I can't speak to that. Um, personally, I know that talking with the engineers, I know that a lot of people who can, who could shoot that bow ended up going with it and loving it. Um, I think I was talking with one of their engineers. I think he was saying if you just put it in your mindset, like even though it's 27 inch axle to axle, it's more like shooting a 30 Uh, what traditionally would be like a 30-inch axle-to-axle bow. So even though Mm -hmm. it's short and compact, you know, that's a little bit more mentally what you could envision it feeling like because of that riser design this year. But, uh, yeah, I've been been shooting the 31.
1: Okay, nice. So are are there certain instances or situations where someone would want the shorter versus the longer?
0: Yeah, I think uh, it comes down to just your hunting style. I would, you know, I have not – You know I hunt in a tree stand carrying it out west it's lightweight something that you can throw over your back you know they have that silent connect system so um throwing it over your back carrying even the long one isn't difficult you don't even know it's on your back um but obviously a 27 would be that much smaller of a footprint I would say maybe for a person who does a lot of hunting out of a blind um you know the 20 just that little bit of of clearance at the top of your blind might be a very might be a beneficial thing um, i'm 64 so if you're if you're smaller you know the 27 might just plain fit better feel more you know feel better in your hands and from a, a length standpoint so i'd say you know size of the person and uh, and draw length obviously and then maybe a blind hunter it might be i would say that 27 if you were 29 and a half inch draw or less you know that'd be a heck of a blind bow that's for sure
1: Mm-hmm, for sure you don't have to worry as much about the like your cams hitting the hitting right your blind or anything like that yep yep mm-hmm. absolutely yeah can you touch a little bit about about the like the past parallel limb design and and what that does
0: yeah i'm not a i'm not an engineer <laughs> i know that i think you know obviously it, it stays in line with the trying to keep the axle to axle you know, a comp- compact bow, um, I think it has to do with the preloaded with energy, um, hand shock. You know, like you were saying before, it's a lot of those little things that that pass parallel design does um, that helps the overall performance of the bow. And I think also when you're talking about co- cam timing, um, they change, you know, their center guard technology so that they changed this year with basically their uh, their roller guard coming mm-hmm. down at the exact middle you know all those things also play a role in your timing um consistent repeatable shots every single time you know just those little bit of little bit little bit 1% things that add up to a 10% better shooting overall bow
1: okay very nice so let's let's just talk about a few different attributes of this bow now so the first one i want to talk about is uh like the sound and the vibration so if you look at the matthews versus a lot of other bows on the market like they'll have they'll have dampers in between the limbs and stuff like that like matthews doesn't have hardly any of that all they have is like the little damper on the on the bottom part of the riser so how do they make such a quiet bow like with such little to it
0: right um that's a that's probably one of their secrets that's probably you know i think, think that uh but obviously this you know switching to those nano 740 dampeners this year you know they found they've found that i think what i w- what they would say is they have paired their dampening system specifically with that bow so it's not a general you know it's not a general disc goes on this bow every year just because it does i think it's actual specific research into what goes on every bow, why, and then also the, you know, this year they changed the positioning just slightly to help with, you know, all those points of vibration dampening, where where it should be from a vibration dampening standpoint, from a, a balance standpoint. You know, I think they're, I think that's one thing that sets Matthews apart is just their attention to detail. And their attention to those those little things. Every little thing about the bow is well thought out. It's done intentionally, Um, and I think that's you know that's why they. I'm I'm not bashing another bow. I think that's why they stand at the top of the industry. Is that is that attention to detail? As everyone knows, that little attention to detail goes a long way. And when we're you know as a bow hunter, all those little things um, add up to add up to something that's efficient that you feel comfortable with in a, in, in the field or, or something that doesn't act that way, I guess.
1: Mm-hmm. So you touched on it a little bit at the beginning of this, but how was it to tune?
0: Easy. I, super simple. I think that has to do with the, you know, their limb cup system. They changed that um, because of the uh, length of the riser this year. So they had to readjust some of that. Um, obviously the center guard roller that's totally different than what you see in the industry just where that comes off perfectly in the center um, of the bow I think all that as that relates to cam timing um, and things of that nature that just equates into a a, a, an easier bow an easier bow to tune Um, their quality control is exceptional you know so variances things like that Play into that. And then also, one of their accessories that I love is the um, integrate mounting system that they put into their bow last year, which allows you to mount that um, QAD integrate rest. And just the fact that they're that being connected directly to the bow's riser, you know, takes away a lot of those minuscule little um variances that could that could take place that eventually downrange lead to inaccuracy you know so that i think that combination just makes it a a very a very tunable tunable rig right out of the box
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i had that i had that same instance with with my vxr i went with the qad integrate rest and just the the precise tunability of that like i i had that bow just flinging darts and you know paper tuning it it was you know, it just took minutes. You know, it's, nice. it's crazy yeah. how how accurate you can get and how quickly you can become become accurate with that combination.
0: Yes, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I th- and that's like I don't think that enough attention has been put towards that integrate mounting system because you know that Bitsenberger hole where traditionally things are mounted, um, there there is just so much room for little variances, and to me, like that. I think that that should be more looked at as a revolutionary idea and design because it it really, I mean, just to be able to have that thing solid, locked right on the bow, have the micro adjust. Like it ain't, it is not, you use it, you've seen it, it's not going anywhere. And that, that's too, just from a confidence standpoint, you know, the bow, if you're using your bow and obviously we try to be really careful with our equipment, especially a bow that, you know, you spend $1,200 on Mm -hmm. you want, but you also spend it for a reason. And then to know that it's going to perform when you need it to after a long road trip or, you know, bounce around the back of a vehicle or things like that, that I think that combination, that integrate mounting system and integrate rest is a man, I, I, to me, that's a, that's a selling point of the bow itself. Like that would be one of the reasons to, I think, to get that to get either the vxr or the v3 is for that system even
1: Mm -hmm. absolutely so how about the uh how about the draw cycle on the back wall how are how's that for the new v3
0: you know I, i mean the matthews their their cam system that they've had for the last couple models i think is incredible it's it's super smooth um i don't do a ton of shooting other probably in the last three years. Like I don't shoot a lot of other um bows. So I'm just comparing it to you know what I knew three years ago. But you draw some bows back and it's like there's not a solid back wall. It wants to creep on you, trying to let the bow down it just rips your shoulder off. You know, I think the the draw cycle and that's something that Matthews has been known for is just incredibly smooth, incredibly easy to draw back. I've had people draw back my bow. So I shoot a 70 pound bow I've had people who usually end up backing their bow down a little bit, who draw it back, and and they're surprised that it's a seventy pound bow. So I think that's a testament to how smooth it is and and easy the draw cycle is. Um, just how it progresses and then falls off into the back wall. Um, yeah, I I think it's an incredibly smooth and enjoyable bow to shoot.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I feel the same way with that VXR because like mentioned I'd mentioned, I I shot Bowtech and Hoyt before because you know like. I'd shot all the different bows, you know. Mm I didn't want to just have it in my head. I need to get a Matthews or I need to get Hoyt. Like I had it in my head. I need to shoot all of them and find the one that is perfect for like my setup and my application. And you know, like 2012 when I went with that carbon element, it was like you know that one just felt the best for me. I think it was I think it was maybe like the Matthews Z7 or some some series around that when I was looking at the Matthews and I just I thought the draw cycle was a little harsh. And it turned me off to Matthews for quite a while, but then after after shooting shooting the new ones, it was like they've they've made some refinements now, and it's it's really great draw cycle, super smooth. Like you said, back wall. Like when you have it back all the way, like you feel one hundred percent confident that you know that's where it's at, and that's where you need to
0: be. Yeah, absolutely, and 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 it's repeatable too. You know, you fall into that back wall; it's solid. It's not creeping. It's you know that your anchor in the same spot, your back, everything's drawn, everything's exactly the same, which ends up equaling an incredibly, you know, repeatability shot after shot, Mm. which is huge.
1: Yeah. And I mean, repeatability just inspires confidence and just makes you a better shooter.
0: Right. Right. Absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah.
1: How's this one for speed?
0: So uh, obviously it depends greatly on your, on your setup. Um, I'm shooting – I think it's – I'm shooting a 530-grain arrow, which is which is pretty heavy, um, and a 530-grain arrow and 70 pounds at 30-and-a-half-inch draw. And I, I want to say I was getting, you know, real-world speed was like – and literally the only time I shot through a chronograph was was right away. But I think it was, you know, two 290s, two you know, somewhere in the 295, something like that. So, I mean, incredibly – I mean, good – everyone – here's the IBO and stuff like that. And that's not necessarily real world hunting, you
1: mm-hmm. know, speeds
0: that you're getting, but it's a, it's a quick, it's a quick bow. Um, I've gone with the heavier arrow, uh, just, and man, I've, I've gone back and forth a lot of times for like elk, I've used the heavier area, arrow and then I've dropped it down to get a little bit more speed whitetail hunting. And this year I stayed consistent with the heavier arrow and man, I mean, shot placement is huge, but as far as knockdown power, like just absolutely that arrow, that bow, just broadhead, that combination has been just crushing animals. Like every, I mean, every single hunt, it's like you kill something and I turn around to, to John who's filming and it's like, did you, I I can't believe that just happened. You know, I mean, my elk ran like 10 steps, you know, I mean, just that confidence knowing too that if you put in your time with your equipment that your equipment is not going to let you down. You know, my, the, my equipment will let, not let me down. I mean, it's going to be the other way around, you know, for yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. So having something... that confidence, knowing, knowing when you're sitting in a stand that, hey, if this deer gives me an opportunity, this deer is going to die. Like, there's no doubt about it. There's no better feeling than that, too, in the, in the woods. And that's what my setup this year has really, really given me, which has been awesome
1: hmm That's that's great to have. You know, like if something goes wrong, then it's you know, it's user error at that point. Right,
0: right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. No excuses. No excuses yep. except for yourself. Yeah. That that might be <laughs> right.
1: the only negative of the new V3. <laughs> right.
0: You can't blame it on something? <laughs> can't right. blame yeah. it on the
1: equipment anymore.
0: Yep, exactly. Right. Yeah. It's oh, all you, fun. man.
1: <laughs> all right. Well, I'm I'm dying to hear some hunting stories with this thing. Okay. So what what is the first animal you shot with it? Tell me the story of it
0: um so first animal i shot with was our we went to new mexico on an elk hunt um i drew the tag again a unit 34 tag which is not an easy i never thought i'd draw that again so um, i went out there i've got a buddy um with compass west outfitters who's just an awesome guy and i've hunted i've filmed elk rifle hunts with them and their success rate has been incredible and it's like if i ever invest in in a hunt like i'm definitely doing it with with those guys so we went back out there at public land um it was an interesting year because as opposed to last year like the bulls were not coming into calls it was it was just a night and day difference from last year where everything came screaming in your face this year it was exactly the opposite and um, we were getting down i think to the last hunt of the week or the last day of the week um, of our hunt and we ended up paralleling a, just a, a group of bulls that were just screaming for hours. So we were able to keep, ta- at least they were talking. You know, if they mm. wouldn't have been talking, it would have been a way miserable hunt. Um, but we were able to parallel them, but again, could not get anything to break off. And eventually we got up this drainage and they were above us. Um, they were above us. And the last bull in the group, I mean, his it sounded like a stag roaring. And I was like, you know, you're always trying to like base the quality of the animal off of its bugle. You're like, oh man, that sounds like a that sounds like a, a, a like a dinosaur, and that's what it felt like. It felt like we were in Jurassic Park or something. And this guy was rawr, just growling. And uh, eventually, it got to the point where we were so close in him um, into him, The the guide was a ways behind us, and and uh, and then it was me, myself, and John who was filming. And he just, I mean, it was almost like the give up point. We couldn't get these bulls to respond at all to do anything. And he just said, go kill them. So we just, that's all I needed. And we just snuck right up this drainage and uh, got right, the bull was like up on the ridge screaming, couldn't hear him. And his cow ended up taking a trail. um, And she took a trail and there was literally like one little tiny opening. And she stopped in it. And I clicked the range finder at her, and she was like 59 yards, kind of uphill, up on this, uh, up on the side hill. And then she moved on, and sure enough, he followed about the exact same path, just a little bit higher, it's like 63, 64 yards, something like that. And they're the only—I'm telling you, man—like the only spot that he could have possibly stopped in order for me to get a shot. He stopped in, and it was just like right going up his front leg there was a tree you know just a couple inches back from that there was a tree so there's like this eight inch left to right window just vertically just right straight vitals and uh there was a lot of you know a lot of limb cut it was thick thick there were a lot of limbs and i didn't know as far as like the arc of the arrow shooting uphill necessarily where it was going to go i knew left and right like i had a straight line but I thought, you know, I felt like it was an ethical shot because if I hit a branch, it couldn't hit the elk anywhere but, you know, in a perfect spot. So I drew back and I shot and, man, it sounded like a it was like a pinball machine going off of branches. I had arrow hit every single branch for 63 yards and shot. I don't even know, honestly, where it went to. But it was so far off hitting branches that uh, the bull didn't even know, you know, what in the world happened. So I think he bugled again. And just stayed standing there. And I, so then what I did was I knocked another arrow and I dropped down on my knees because the vertical clearance was what got me. It it nicked a branch, you know, on the arc of the shot. So I got down on my knees, drew again, and just, I I shoot a a four-fletch white fletching. So I just vividly, like in my head, I can just envision it like slow motion right now that just a perfect spiral, just 63 yards straight up tanked him right through the just double lung and he just he took about five steps, one big bound, and then just crashed. I mean it was it just absolutely crushed him. So it was a it was a awesome hunt. I mean definitely one of the most exciting hunts I've ever been on and just the way it went down. And uh so that was my first kill at the V three and it was definitely definitely a definitely one for the memory books, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, no kidding. Just to have that one little window and you know you mentioned just an ethical shot like that's it's absolutely right because like if you're a little bit to the side you're gonna hit a tree if you're a little bit to right. the other side you're gonna hit another tree if if you make a great shot like you're gonna rip them right in the vitals
0: right so yeah right. and yeah, then like that's hero hero or zero moment that's for sure yeah it's
1: awesome kind of like kind of yeah. like shooting uh, when you're doing targets you have that that metal outside and then a little circle it's like
0: yeah
1: that's where you where you practice that situa- situation.
0: Yep. Absolutely. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So that was, that was a good first, that was a good first hunt, uh, hunt with the V3. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So what was next Were you, did you move on to whitetails or did you do speed goats or something like that? Yeah,
0: we did. Uh, I went out, we did a, a muzzleloader speed goat hunt, which was another miracle shot. I took my sons out to South Dakota to, they, they just crawled around in the grass with me and, uh, ended up. Uh, I'm sorry, Colorado, because, yeah, because it's iron sights in Colorado, so, um, which was, which was interesting. Um, but, so we did that, shot a nice goat out there, had a bunch of fun with them, uh, having them catch the western bug, and then uh, came back here for whitetail season, and that was pretty much, I mean, right from the get-go, I shot, like, four does right away, um, The you know, the, the whole V3 arrow broadhead combination, just crushed those, and then uh, I had a I had a buck that I actually thought had gotten shot during gun season last year. Didn't have any trail camera pictures of him. And then uh, cell cams, man, another product that has absolutely changed the changed the way we hunt. Um, not even a hundred percent sure how I feel about it anymore because it it's such an effective way of scouting. But um, we we were gone for the weekend on a on a little family trip. And I had not seen this deer. And of course, every time you go away, like the weather gets right, you know? So it was like end mm-hmm. of October, this massive cold front came. Uh, we were gone with the family. And like that Friday night, my trail camera lights up with this buck that I thought was dead. And just a gorgeous. And so I'm like, you know, the dad who my mind is somewhere else the whole entire weekend. I'm like, we got, we got to get home. We got to do this. I got to, this buck so killable. And uh, anyway, we, you know, we spent the night at this place and then Saturday came and he came out and daylighted again on Saturday and I was like this deer is the most killable he's ever going to be and we ended up leaving like leaving on Sunday early so I could get into a stand and uh snuck into the stand um as a stand I typically don't hunt until the rut but he I knew he was in there historically um he'd been a deer who'd spent the majority of the rut in this little area and we got in the stand and 30 minutes after we got in, I heard like this rake on a tree, and he stood up probably 80 yards behind us. He was bedded the whole entire time, and he made a little scrape and putzed around and browsed a little bit, started to head the other direction, and I picked up the grunt call and hit it once, and in about 30 seconds, it was over. He turned on a dime, walked right down a trail, made a scrape 15 yards, and throttled him he ran 40 yards and died right on camera so just kind of one of those things that he just read he read the script perfect that's for sure
1: Mm -hmm. you know sometimes the stars align
0: right that's right yeah you need to yeah you can rather be lucky than good any day so that's that that luck is nice I'll take it
1: yeah very cool so those hunts like have you released them yet are we still waiting to see Um, what's going on there
0: so, let's see. The whitetail hunt is actually, if you go on the Matthews website, um, there's like a little two-minute highlight video, um, kind of proving grounds film of that whitetail hunt. Uh, or it culminates with that whitetail hunt, I guess. I think it shows a couple of the doe kills. Um, but we are going to, on our YouTube page, um, we're in the process of editing that elk film, and then we'll have those, all those whitetail hunts separate on, uh, on my YouTube page eventually. Season just needs to die down so then we can get out of the tree and sit in front of the computer for a couple of weeks and hammer those out. But yeah, in, at, you know in, in early spring, we'll have a bunch of that content out for people to watch it.
1: But, awesome yeah. well i am yep. i am definitely looking forward to watching that content
0: <laughs> i'll send you a link
1: yeah absolutely no for the for the viewers that want to that want to see that content how do they how do they get to your youtube instagram facebook
0: yeah so i'm uh on instagram it's it's joe.sir s-i-r and then uh there's a link there i think for youtube and um otherwise i'm not even sure what my youtube handles i think it just probably type in Joe, sir. And and you'll probably find me, find me somewhere on there, I guess. Um, But in YouTube, we just started to kind of build out that content. And we've just got, since we stopped the show, a lot of our content has been going towards clients in these little projects, like, like this Mm -hmm. Matthew's, um, Matthew's stuff, but the whole entire hunts, aren't really being utilized. So I've got like three, four years of these backlog hunts, which have been, I mean, some awesome, awesome years and big deer and big elk and, and such. So um, we're working on rolling that and building that YouTube content a little bit. So there's stuff on it. My New Mexico elk hunt from last year, my archery hunt, which I think we called in like 27 bulls that week and killed just a 370 hammer on the last day. So that's on the YouTube page um that's a good hunt and there's some other whitetail stuff already on there but our, our new stuff if you haven't seen it it'll be new to you and then we'll we'll roll out our our this year's stuff here this spring for sure
1: there we go perfect you know it's it's the perfect time for that you know all the hunting seasons are basically wound down and looking for nice. something to do so just kind of get yourself psyched for the next season watching some hunting videos yeah.
0: It helps with the, it helps with the withdrawals from not being able
1: to be in <laughs> the stand for sure. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. Well, Joe, thank you so much for, uh, for spending your time with us and, and letting us hear all about that new V3 and your, uh, your experiences with it.
0: Yeah, man. No, I appreciate I appreciate the opportunity.
1: So, all right. Well, thanks again. You bet, man. Thank you. You just heard our conversation with Joe Sir of Risen Media and Matthews Proving Ground Team Shooter. I don't know about you, but I am jacked to start flinging arrows again. I'm also excited to check out his YouTube channel and see some of the content that he's been putting out. If you're in the market for a new bow, make sure to stop by your local Shields and check out our wide selection. We've got the new Matthews V3, but we've also got bows from brands like Hoyt, Bowtech elite and many others to match your exact shooting style and get you into the perfect setup for your budget and your hunting scenarios joe and i are super passionate about archery but you know maybe you're just getting into it and you know looking for the right type of starter bow we've got that for you and we've got the people to get you into the exact setup you need The most important thing is to just get out there and enjoy nature and experience the wonderful things hunting has to offer. If you like what you heard today, make sure to give us a follow on the listening platform you chose today. And we want to thank you all for listening and see you next time.